You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Crunch Time with me, Gazim Mesh. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, producer extraordinaire slash the co-host with the most, the Meshinator, Mr. James Mesh, locked inside his... Simon and Garfunkel box. Stuck in my little hole. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I should have played that song last night. Why? You? They, I they was won. So, I was, no, I, oh, your bet. The bet. Your bet. Oh. Uh, <laughs> your nine-leg parlay that would have given you $1,600 and you missed by a Jason Tatum three and a Marcus Smart assist, which actually happened on a play... Had Tatum just made the three. Yes. It was So you were a Jason Tatum three pointer away from pretty much winning sixteen hundred bucks, which uh, I'd have gotten ten percent of as a finder's fee. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> Not after how bad you crapped on it. I didn't crap yes, on it. Yes, you did. You said it was terrible. You I said just, it was absolutely atrocious I just and you wanted to was, spit on it. I just didn't think it was a smart bet. Nine legs. Dude, that's a lot. That's a lot of things that have to go right for you. I know. And, and, my, and, and my rule is you don't go over five. And and you're lucky that seven of them did go right for you. You just needed those last two. But man, like, I don't. So, I mean, I don't think it was very lucky. If so, how was what was your thought? Well, okay, let's be honest. Because I said because I said Curry twenty plus and Clay fifteen plus, and they went ten over for both. of Be one hundred percent transparent with me. How many legs of that nine did you expect to hit? Seven or eight. Bull. I did. No. I literally. No way. I literally told you there's gonna be one or two of them that doesn't hit, and but I just don't know which two, so I don't know what to take out. There's, I literally said that verbatim. There's no way that of I those said that. Nine are you? Legs, do you have short-term memory loss? Short-term memory loss, like Dory on Finding Nemo. Get it? Yeah. Uh-huh. You look like Dory. Hey. Wow, crossing lines. Okay, no, you you really thought that seven out of nine legs? Why would I make hit? the bet if I didn't think it was gonna hit? Because you wanted to make some money. But I'm gonna make the money if I think it's gonna hit. I'm not gonna just do it just to do it. Well, I don't know. I've, I've seen I've seen you do some crazy things in in the three months that we've been working together, bud. I, I've seen you do some off the wall things. Anyways. And I did it because I wanted them. We have a jam-packed show today. Saints minicamp, Saints Hall of Fame. We're going to recap Game 3 of the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about the Astros, some PGA Tour, the LIV Tour, NHL, college baseball, college softball. We got a lot to to get into. Uh, So let's start with a look at some top stories in the world of sports. Stephen Curry says he will play in game four against the Celtics after being injured late last night after getting his foot rolled on by Big Al Horford. Um, 
He stayed on the court for about a minute, wincing in pain. Played, I don't know, maybe another minute or so, two minutes, and then left the floor. And post-game, Steve Kerr said that they didn't know the extent and that they would know more today. Well, according to Curry, he will play tomorrow night in Game 4. I'm surprised Kerr didn't get upset with another Celtics player because Curry got injured when it comes to a loose ball. Well, and then the other... Did you see all the comments that... About the fans? Oh, my God. I remember Clay talked about this before, and he was like, I mean, fans are going to be fans. I mean, you can't let it bother you. Right. And then we're, here, here we're we are. Here we are classy. six years later. He's good job, classy, Boston. Boston. Yeah. Like, dude, come on. Come on. Don't be butthurt that your game has taken a step back and you're not where you once were. I mean, yeah, you scored 25 last night. and But let's be real. You know, Ray said it on his show this morning, and then I heard Stephen A. say it this morning. If the Warriors want to win this series, Draymond has to become a bigger factor. He's done nothing in the first three games. And nothing. You know, and you know what's hilarious? He, he's been telling Grant Williams, hey, you wish you could be me. All he's done for the last week is run his mouth. Exactly. And and, and he's tried to be like too physical. Hey, if you um, if you watch him during plays when the ball isn't in his hands, just just watch him when it comes to like trying to get a rebound or during a free throw. I'm gonna tell you right now. Or or setting picks. When he fouled out last night and he was running his mouth with the ref. All right, so when Draymond was standing right next to the ref, that's fine. Once Draymond got to the bench and he was still going, oh, if I was that ref, I'd have tossed him. I'd have tossed him. I'd have tossed him and probably would have suspended him. Granted, that's not a referee's decision. But, <laughs> yeah. like, dude, once you're off the court, shut your mouth and sit down. Like, just shut up. You have no factor anymore. You're disqualified from the game. Y'all are losing by, I think they were down 15. Like They were, they were down by about 8 or like around the, the 10 area. Like, just, just, just shut up and go home. Just be done. That's over and done. Um, let's see. The, the PGA Tour has announced that all golfers taking part in the first LIV golf tournament today are suspended. There are 17 members who are competing in the inaugural LIV tournament, which include Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, and Sergio Garcia. According to PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan, these players have made their choice for their own financial-based reasons, but they can't demand the same PGA Tour membership benefits, considerations, opportunities, and platform as you. That exception, that expectation disrespects you, our fans, and our partners. You have made a different choice, which is to abide by the tournament regulations you agreed to when you accomplished the dream of earning a PGA Tour card, and, more importantly, to compete as part of the preeminent organization in the world of professional golf. So, definitely some some spicy back and forth between the PGA Tour and the LIV Tour 
uh, Monahan went on to say the fact that your former you are the PJ Tour in this moment is about what we stand for. The PJ Tour membership as a whole. It's about lifting up those who choose not to only benefit from the tour, but play an integral role in building it. I know you're with us and vice versa. Our partners are with us too. The fact that your former tour colleagues can't say the same thing is telling. James, do you, do you find that being shots fired by Jay Monahan? Bang, bang. I mean... He, he, he basically just called these guys out for chasing money. It is exactly what he did. Um, which, I mean, I agree. That's exactly what they're doing. They're only going to the LIV tour for the paychecks, which I, I, I don't know that I necessarily blame them. Right. I mean, the the loser each week gets makes 120 grand. Come on. Like last place guy gets 120 grand. Come on. I'd I'd go I'd go swing ten over and take my hundred and twenty grand and go home. That's fine. Uh LeBron, newly a billionaire, says he wants to own a basketball team in Vegas. In Vegas. He is now his he was recently evaluated north of a billion by Forbes. He said he wants a team in Vegas. He is already a part owner of Liverpool FC and the Boston Red Sox. Said last season that his goal is to own an NBA franchise and it will be sooner than later. LeBron will enter his 20th NBA season when the Lakers training camp opens up in the fall. He would have to be finished playing before he could purchase a team. So do you think that maybe you don't see a Vegas expansion team? Until LeBron retires? Or does somebody buy it, create it, and then when LeBron retires, he becomes like half owner? Yeah, I think that'll happen. And and I don't think it'll happen until another at least five years down the line. Well, five years from now, LeBron's going to be retired. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm saying it, it's not like you can just create well, right. <laughs> Create a, a team yeah, it, like, it doesn't in a just snap. Happen. Uh, Detroit Lions coach Dan Campbell not expecting Jamison Williams to be ready for training camp. James, what do you think about that? I mean, the man the the man tore his ACL in January. I don't necessarily think I would think he'd be ready either. Uh, I I don't think he'll be ready until you get to a lot closer to the season, and that'll even be cutting it close in my eyes. Yeah, that that's definitely. See, he tore it in January. It's it's been not even five, five months. months. It's it hasn't even been a full five months. It'll probably be a full five months like this weekend. Yeah, because I think the national title game was on like the eleventh or twelfth. But yeah, so that, that's fair. He might yeah he might not even be ready for the season, the start of it at least. It it, it all just kind of depends because. You you look at Jameson Win James Winston, and he is back seven months in, but that's just because he's super fast in his progression, right? And he's been working on it since then, right? Not to say Jameson hasn't, but it, it'll it'll be a lot closer to the season. You'll you you shouldn't expect him to really be like getting ready again and be in football shape 
until August and September. What you think about this? Cooper Cup says that his new contract shows players can trust the Los Angeles Rams to, quote, take care of you. With his deal and the recent deal of Aaron Donald, the Rams seem keen on spending the money necessary to keep their pieces in place. I still don't know how they have this money. I don't I get. I it. don't either. I don't. I don't how either. do you? How do you have the money to? I mean, you freed up a lot of money by letting Von Miller walk. But, I mean, still, like you just which, which even then you only had him for seven year. games. Yeah, you you made you made Aaron Donald the highest paid non quarterback in NFL history. You just gave Cooper Cup eighty million for the next three years. Like how? Where where is this money coming from? Like you still have Stafford, right? Stafford's getting paid a nice chunk of change too. You pay, you're paying Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you just got rid of your left tackle and Andrew Whitworth because he retired. But st- I, I don't get how do you have this money? I remember, and I remember the the Chiefs had five dollars to their name in cap space, and they still signed like five people. I was like, how do you do this? This <laughs> the cap is a lie. Yeah, the cap is false. It's not. It's not a real thing. Um, quickly, we'll talk about softball for a second. Game one last night between Oklahoma and Texas was a absolute drubbing. James, Oklahoma set a college World Series record with six home runs in a game. Oklahoma beat Texas sixteen to one, and Jocelyn Allo, who hit two home runs last night. Hit home runs number one thirty one and one thirty two for her career. This is her fourth year at Oklahoma. Hundred and thirty two home runs. Average that out. That's thirty three home runs a year. Think about that for a second. Thirty three home runs every year for four years. That is absolutely ridiculous. She holds the Division One record for the most home runs in a career at 132. Uh, so Oklahoma, one win away from capturing a national championship. Our poll question of the day related to the black and gold with minicamp right around the corner. What are you expecting out of Saints minicamp? Are you eyeing... The rookies, are you eyeing your new players making an impact? Jameis's growth, maybe something different that you want to comment on. So far, 50% saying new guys making an impact. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Jarvis Landry, and then the other 50% saying Jameis Winston's growth. As always, you can chime in on the poll question on Facebook and Twitter. If you got a question, comment, concern, or a topic you want us to dive into, you can feel free to DM the game's social media accounts as well as James and I. You can find James at Yami's Mesh. Yami's Mesh. James with a Y. Yeah. And you can find me on social media at Miguez Matt. Uh, you got something that we're we're not talking about that you want us to talk about? Send it to us. We'll we'll bring it up on the show. We'll have a conversation about it. Today at 4.30, Jay Walker is going to join us to put a bow on the 2021-2022 Raging Cajuns athletic year and get you set for 2023. And then at 5 o'clock, 
Ken Trahan from Crescent City Sports and the Saints Hall of Fame will join us to talk about the Saints Hall of Fame class that was announced today and just general Saints conversation leading into minicamp and whatnot. Phone lines open, as always, on the hotline 706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. As a reminder, it is the game's birthday this year. We're turning 10, and it's your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us on Wednesday, June 22nd, Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey for delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities, including your guys. Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs Wednesday, June 22nd from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. Take time out right here. When we return, Game 3 of the NBA Finals was a wild one. We'll talk about it. A 116-100 to win for the Boston Celtics. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 23 minutes after 4 o'clock on your Thursday afternoon. Let's talk some NBA Finals. Game 3 last night, the Boston Celtics taking down the Warriors 116-100 behind 68 points. Scored in the first half by Ime Yudoka's squad. James, you know, as a Celtics fan, I know you're heartbroken about your bet. I get it. I was there with game two. But looking at the box score, I mean, dude, you had three starters go 20-plus. That's huge. Did I did I not say Marcus Smart was going to have a bounce back game? <laughs> I, I don't know where that came from. What? Just him having that the type of game that he had. I mean, he scored tw- twenty plus plenty of times. Jalen Brown, excuse me. He's been he's he's put up damn near twenty every time as well. Seventeen points in the first quarter. It's, it was like Steph in the first quarter with twenty one in game one. God, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. Even Al Horford, I mean, he only scored 11, but like, I don't know. I feel like that was a very effective and very dominant 11 points out of Al Horford last night. It it felt like it because a lot of times you would see like Clay or Jordan Poole or Steph Curry get switched on them. And it's like, oh, well, that's an easy pass. That's a mismatch. And then you just kind of dish it off to him and just let him score in the paint. He and then he had made a 3 in the first quarter as well. I mean, everyone was everyone was scoring early and often when it came to the Celtics. 
yeah, you know, 26 out of Tatum, 24 out of Smart, 27 out of Jalen Brown. You got 11 out of Horford. You got 10 out of Grant Williams. Robert Williams looked to have an impact last night as well. Eight points, 10 boards, four blocks. And three steals. I mean, that's that's an impressive performance out of Robert Williams, who really, you know, having Mike Brain back was a lot on the broadcast. But he, he spent a lot of time at one point talking about how Robert Williams is really one of the best defensive big men in the entire league. Yeah. If he doesn't get hurt so often, if you didn't have Marcus Smart on the team, you would have a very, very serious case of putting Rob Williams as the defensive player of the year. Yep. He's just that good. He he affects the opposing team so much when it comes to the shots because if he's not blocking it, he's definitely affecting it and affecting your shot form and you maybe trying to get it off quicker or maybe going for a higher arc because it's like he's only 6'8", 6'9", but he's got a 7'5 wingspan and he's able to jump out of the gym. So you you definitely have to be conscious whenever you're on Rob's side or if you're shooting a corner three because if he decides to step up, which sometimes when it came to the bigs like Horford and Rob, you would see the open threes off of a screen and he still and they played a little bit of drop coverage. But if they press, Rob has a very good chance of blocking that blocking that shot. Now, speaking about Robert Williams, how about that alley-oop that he caught from uh, from Al Horford late in the game? That was uh, that was impressive. That was big. That was something. That was something. Curry with 31, Thompson with 25. I Wiggins, told you he was coming back. And then Wiggins pours in 18. I mean, looking at those numbers, you would think the Warriors had won the game. Like, if you didn't watch the game, you didn't know any better. And you hadn't looked at the Celtics box score yet. You look at those Warriors numbers and go, oh yeah, the Warriors won. No. No, they didn't. Because you got two points out of Draymond Green. Four rebounds, three assists. You also only got you only got ten out of pool. You kinda you, you would yeah, hope that you, wasn't you hope to get about fifteen or so from him. That wasn't great. Otto Porter. You know, it's really bad. It's a bad look. And this is no disrespect to Otto Porter. It's a bad look for Draymond Green when Otto Porter has a better game than you <laughs> with 14 less minutes of work. Otto Porter's three that he shot over Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Like just yep. n- unconscious, just shot it. Yep. I was like, no way. <laughs> and and oh, then he it drains was, it. It was ballsy. I was like, it was ballsy. And, and they were saying with the shot clock running down, you only really say that whenever you've got about Two seconds left. He had like six seconds left. No, he had eleven. Oh, was it? There was eleven. Eleven. Sec- there was still eleven seconds on the shot clock. That's why I was mm-hmm. so confused. I'm like, did he really just eat, yeet it up? And and he All did. Right. And then he drained it. So let's let's play a game. Game four tomorrow night. Mike Breen back from COVID on the call. Give me your over under. Over under of bangs. Five bangs. Five and a half. How many bangs do we get tomorrow night in Game Four? Oh, we're definitely getting a few, quite a few bangs. We're probably getting about nine bangs. Jesus! From from which side though? Overall, just nine for, overall. For, yeah, for the whole game, we're getting we're getting nine bangs. All right. Uh, hey, I'll take it. I I like when Mike Brain yells bang. It's Steph funny. Curry way downtown. Bang! bang! Um, 
Do you think the Celtics win game four as well? Or do you think Boston kind of has their number? See, my initial thought was it's just going to be every other game is they they take each other's. Like it, it goes Celtics, Golden State, Celtics, Warriors. And like it, it's it's a pattern. But I wonder, it really comes down to how much does that foot injury affect Steph? Yeah. That's that's really what it comes down to. Well, because if you're going, because since he's right-handed, he's, if he's going for a layup, the last foot you generally go off of is your left foot. Yep. So I'm wondering, is that going to affect his layups? Is that going to affect his shooting? Is that going to affect how aggressive he can be on defense? Because Steph is not known for his defense, but if you watch the series, he's been ferocious. He's been scrappy. He has has made sure that he is not a liability anymore. So this is what Curry had to say today. When asked how confident he was he could play Friday without being limited, Curry said, I'm going to play. That's all I know right now. Earlier in the day it was reported, so earlier today, it was reported there was optimism within the Warriors' camp that Curry evaded a major injury and won't need an MRI. So clearly, according to the Warriors, he's fine. Just a little banged up, and he's going to go full speed tomorrow night. Which, if anything, that may upset him, and then he just starts going off. And then, he, and then he drops like 42. Or drops like 38. So, looking at the game last night, I mean, if you look at the team statistics, I mean, Boston really just owned the only place that Boston really didn't have this game was at the free throw line and at the three-point line. I mean, Boston out-rebounded them by 16, had six more assists, had the same amount of steals, had two more blocks, had five less turnovers. You dominated them in points in the paint. And Golden State's largest lead last night? Two. Two points. That was whenever it was 2-0 and whenever they went up for a second when it was, I think, 82-80. to and and that yep. obviously didn't last very long because they made a surge and comeback, but then right after I believe they called Ime Udoka called a timeout, they they just started scoring right right again and just took the lead back and never lost it. Game four tomorrow night from the TD Garden at eight o'clock. You can catch that one on ABC. James, let's take a timeout right here. When we return, we're going to do Cajuns Corner. With Jay Walker, put a bow on the 2022 athletic season for the Cajuns. We met with Matt Deggs today. We'll get, we'll talk to Jay about that and what's next for football, basketball, and baseball. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 
The Jay Bird, Jay Walker joins us on a Thursday afternoon for Cajun's Corner. Jay Walker, good afternoon, sir. How the hell are you? I'm um, I'm well. I, I came outside because uh, Jagger was barking, and I figured you didn't want to hear that. <laughs> so, man, I, I got to ask you, you're probably pretty well rested after the last couple of days being back at home. No. <laughs> you No, it's going to take – it's going to take about a week and a half for me to probably catch up with all of this. You know, you, you have to understand that with exception of that, uh, that three game series against Little Rock, we've been on the road almost a month. So, uh, no, I'm, um, it's going to take a little while. Now walk, walk me through the last couple of days for, from your point of view. I mean, the, the college station regional starting off with a big win over TCU fighting like hell, against A&M, but falling just short late. And then really, like like Coach Degg said, you, you were really just out of ammo Sunday against TCU. Walk me through the regional. Well, you know, I, first of all, you know, you're opening up against the, um, against the Big 12 champions. And so you got a tall task right out of the box. But they got off to a good start. You know, Vaughn hit that home run, which was as long a home run by a right-handed hitter as I've ever seen. And then, you know, LaFleur follows that up with one to, to right center. So you get off to a good start. And and Tally goes out, and he gives you what Tally gives you. He gives you a chance to win. Bo Bonds came in, did a terrific job, and, uh, and the Cajuns were able to tack on as the game went along to where when, when uh, TTU made its push, uh, you know, they, they weren't able to overcome the Cajuns. And, you know, Bonds was great in relief. Dylan Toit did a superb job coming out of the pen and getting that final out to the save. And and I thought that they got off to, to a pretty good start against A&M, too. They gave up four in the first inning. And it was unfortunate because a lot of them were ground balls that had eyes but managed to get in the right spot. But they, they fought back. They were able to go ahead and take the lead. And then, you know... Um, A&M is very good offensively, and you knew that they were going to get something done, and they did, and their bullpen did a good enough job. And, you know, I'll agree with uh, Coach Deggs about Sunday. You know, you get to Sunday, you don't have Kimple. Well, you don't have him the whole regional. You don't have Marshock the last two games. Rockefeller is playing with two bad wrists. You've got uh, Vaughn playing with a bad hand. Uh, you've got Julian Brock, who's all banged up because he's taken foul balls for like 50 straight games. So, you know, it was uh, it was what it was at the end. They ran out of ammo and they ran out of gas. But, you know, you went in there uh, as the three seed after having to scratch and claw and fight your way to a conference tournament championship. You took down the Big 12 champions and you gave the number five national seed everything they wanted. So... Overall, I think a good performance from this team. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, we met with with Coach Deggs today one one final time for this season, and you know he he talked a lot about the exit interviews that they've conducted over the last couple of days with the players, and he said one of the questions that he asked every player was if they could have a do over, if they could redo any game this year, what would they pick? And he said that a lot of them said A and M. A lot of them oh, said sure that true. they, they sure wanted that two-run lead back against A&M and, and to finish that job. But they also said that their number one goal for the future is Omaha. 
How close do you think this program is to getting back to Omaha? Well, you know, I think there are ways away. Um, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to recruit really, really well. And I think the thing that you need to recruit is you've got to get some elite pitching. Now, I think that this pitching staff did a good job. They were tops in the Sunbelt Conference in the ERA. And I think they got better as the season got along. They quit being so generous. They quit walking a whole bunch of people. And as a result, they were very competitive. But if you're going to get to Omaha, you've got to have some elite arms. And so that's going to be, I think, the first order of business if, when you start building this team for the College World Series. Now, this team this year, in the second half of the season, hit well enough. I think next year's team is going to hit well enough, especially for the guys who are returning with a year under Degg's system. So, you know, offensively, athletically, speed-wise, I think they have what they need. But if they're going to go to Omaha, they got to get some elite pitching. Chat with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. Now, you know, you talked about elite pitching. You talked about, you know, the pitchers that they do have have done a good job. Degg's touched on that, too. He said he likes the pitching staff that he has. They just need more of it. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly right. On top of that, you know, looking at an offensive perspective, I mean, barring an epic downfall in the draft, you're going to get a lot of your offense from this year back in 2023. Well, you know, with the lineup that you used most of the season, the only one you lose is Kemple. Now, it'll be a big surprise if you don't lose Tyler Robertson. I think uh, I, I, I think everybody understands that he's going to get drafted. As a junior, um, he needs to go. And and I'm you know after talking with uh, with his dad, I think that's the battle plan. If he's drafted, he's going to go ahead and take the offer, whatever it is. Um, the, the the other question is Julian Brock, um, as a draft eligible sophomore, he's got some leverage, uh, and uh, you know I'm not really sure where he stands right now. You know, you, here's the thing about the draft now, Matt. It's only 20 rounds, which means you only have 650 kids that get selected. And we're talking about high school kids, junior college kids, and college kids. So it's there's, it's not a 50-round deal anymore. Right. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I don't know if Julian is going to get drafted. And if he does, I don't know where. But, he, but he's got some negotiating power because of the fact he's a draft-eligible sophomore. Now, if he goes after the 10th round... The maximum bonus you can get is $120,000. Would that be enough for him to go ahead and uh, give up uh, his last two years of eligibility? Well, I don't know because, uh, you know, uh, Julian is hes not a real uh, outspoken guy, and I'm sure a lot of what he feels he's got to keep it to himself right now. Yeah, and that's probably the smart thing to do at, at, at this point in time um, because, you know, with, with the society that we live in now, the words can just get – thrown around and oh and, and misconstrued if, and, if and, and and if you don't and if you don't get it right you can always make it up right right for sure no no question about it chatting with jay walker here on cajun's corner all right jay let's talk football now you know now we're getting into into the summer footballs getting conversations are getting ready to heat up with media days in a couple of weeks and the season about two months away you know what give us some storylines or, or things to look out for with this Cajun football program as we get into the summer? Well, okay, I'll do this today, and then I'm not talking football until the 15th of July. 
um, because you know it's. I, I realize that that's what fans do, but but I, I'm going to start getting away from everything for a little while. I will say this, you know, the, there are two things going in that you want to know. Number one, who's your quarterback going to be? Um, you know, we there are enough pieces to this puzzle returning to where this team's going to have the talent to compete for a Sun Belt championship. I don't think they're going to go 13-1 and one or anything like that, but I do think that they have a chance to be playing in, a, in the championship game. But that, that question's got to be answered, and it's got to be answered positively. You don't expect whoever wins that job to come in and be Levi Lewis because I think that as time goes by, Cajun fans are going to realize that he was a pretty unique dude. Um, but that question has to be answered. Here's the other thing, that You know, Billy Napier used to say it. Mark Hudspeth used to say it. The most important statistic in football is turnover margin. Cajuns last year were plus 15. That's not going to happen again. And so, you know, while you you know while your expectations can be lofty, and and I'm not going to tell people what to expect, but you're not going to be plus 15 in turnover margin, okay? And and so that's going to make your um, your degree of difficulty a little bit tougher, and your margin for error a lot tougher. So those are the two things going in I think that fans need to be most concerned about. And we'll find out, you know, um, probably uh, the, probably a week or two before the season starts who the quarterback's going to be. And then as the season progresses, we'll see how they do at that turnover margin. But plus 15 is a stupid number. It ain't going to be that way again. No, prob- probably not. Like you said, that is a, a gaudy and ridiculous number. Jay, I got two more for you. Give me your favorite moment from this baseball season. Oh, man. Um, gee, you know, I there's nothing like a dog pile, dude. There's yeah. nothing like a dog pile. And for them to come from behind, get a run in the ninth inning, and, you know, bring Tally in out of the bullpen – uh, and for him to get that fly ball to end it, and then to watch the euphoria from that team um, and the emotion and the sheer happiness, you know what? It really doesn't get any better than that. You know, the only way it gets better than that is if you dogpile in a regional, dogpile in a super regional, and dogpile in Omaha. Um, you know, winning, winning a championship, and I say this about softball all the time because it happens on a regular basis. Never, ever, ever discard, disavow, or, or, or allow yourself to get jaded by championships. Championships aren't easy. And when you win one, it's something that you savor. And, you know, it was interesting because, you know, it was talking to the parents at the regional, and specifically the parents to the seniors, and I told them this. I said, no matter when this ends, your kid is going to walk off the field a champion. And that's something that nobody is ever going to be able to take away from them. And, you know, there were a couple of parents afterwards that I saw. They were very emotional. But they looked at me and they said, he's walking off a champion. So I, I think that that last game in Montgomery is probably my highlight. And then lastly, Jay, Louisiana softball getting announced today that they will host the 2023 
Sunbelt Conference Tournament at Lampson Park. How important is that for a university? Well, it is, and and for a lot of different reasons. You know, this is going to be the first time in five years that they get to host. And, you know, for some people, it's going to be, oh, well, that's not a very big announcement. Well, you know, I don't know if you were suggesting that somebody won on the football team won the lottery or whatever, but, you know, when, when you're awarded a championship site in an important sport like softball is to Louisiana, you know, you're going to have a weekend where you're going to have 2,000 people in the stands uh, wearing red and yelling and screaming. They don't have to go to a hotel. They don't have to go through all that expense. They're going to have it right there at Lamson Park in front of those fans. And, you know, one of the things about the coaches, man, they're going to tell you anytime you can reward your fan base, that's a big deal. And so getting to host the tournament is big from that standpoint. They'll probably be the favorite regardless of where the tournament is. But they're getting to host, and they're getting to do it in front of the fan base and I can tell you right now that Jerry Glass goes over the moon about that. All right, Jay, I actually have one more for you, and it's Dodgers-related. Trey Turner getting intentionally walked with a 1-2 count with two outs in the inning, and then Max Muncy comes up and delivers a three-run shot. What are your thoughts on well, that? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, it wasn't that long ago that you could have taken Justin Turner and Matt Mun- Max Muncy's batting average, added them together, and it wouldn't have been as good as Carson Rockford. So, you know, Muncy coming through like that is just a huge thing. I understand why they walk Turner intentionally, even at one and two, because, because Muncy has really been struggling. Maybe that'll get him kick-started. I certainly hope so. But uh, because, they, look, they're, they're going to need Big Red and Muncie if they're going to do what they want to do. Cajun's Corner, Jay Walker joining us. Jay, appreciate you taking the time each and every week this year. And uh, we'll, we'll take a break for a couple weeks, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, man. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Rescue Fest is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring Sarah Russo Band, the Jet 7 Band, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There will be plenty of food, games, and even a live raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To to buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group. Dot org. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Looking at the poll question of the day, what are you looking forward to in Saints minicamp? So far, 56% of you say the growth of Jameis Winston, 33% of you say new guys making the impact. Steve Flint says, Jameis and Mike not limping, Lutz kicking without pain, cohesiveness in the offensive line. I agree with all those things. Uh, Cohesiveness with the offensive line is going to be a must. 
Jamison Mike being back to 100%, another must. And Will Lutz back. Dude, that's something a lot of people aren't talking about. The weapon that is Will Lutz back in our arsenal is going to be huge this season for New Orleans. Uh, Ton comes in and says, I'm looking to see if Jameis can stay the course and go under 10 interceptions with 30 touchdowns. Okay. Sounds great in theory, right? However, how likely is it that a guy is going to throw 30-plus touchdowns and stay under 10 interceptions? It's very rare. I mean, look at Drew Brees' stats the year that he won the Super Bowl. 34 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He didn't stay under 10. The only times that he's in the prime of his career, the least interceptions from 2005 to 2016, the least amount of interceptions he threw was 11. Yes, his last four years in New Orleans, he stayed under 10 picks. But, I mean, those were anomaly years, especially 2018. I mean, he had 32 touchdowns to five interceptions. That was the year of the Nola no call. That team should have won a Super Bowl. It's very, it's very hard for a guy to say 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So I get it. I, I obviously that's you know you want as many touchdowns as possible with as few interceptions as possible. I just don't know if that's a reasonable ask uh, of Jameis Winston. Hour number one, come and gone. Hour number two, we're going to sit down with Ken Trahan, Crescent City Sports, and the Saints Hall of Fame. Talk about this year's Hall of Fame class. And the show's open for the rest of the second hour, 706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on your Thursday. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's talk about the Saints Hall of Fame as this year's class was announced today. It includes Fred McAfee and Devery Henderson. Here to talk about it from Crescent City Sports and the Saints Hall of Fame is Mr. Ken Trahan. Ken, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, busy day, but doing all right. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time. So talk to me about the, the Saints Hall of Fame class You know that, that's going to be officially inducted in October. You know, what what came to what what made you guys come to the decision to induct these guys at this time? First of all, we have a really outstanding media selection committee that uh, nominates and selects the Hall of Famers on an annual basis, and and they span the time from the very beginning in franchise history to the present. So it's very diverse, and it's a very outstanding group that does a great job at analyzing and and putting this forward. And they've come up with three good guys this year. Kevin Mangum is entering his forty second year. As a trainer for the New Orleans Saints, he's worked under 10 different head coaches, which tells you how good he is. He's a, he's a servant, low-key guy who's just done his job in fantastic fashion. And he's going to receive the Joe Jamelli Florida Lee Award, symbolic of great service to and support of the New Orleans Saints organization. So 
Kevin clearly is very deserving in that particular regard. And then with regard to the Hall of Famers that are going in this year, you know, starting with Freddie McAfee, uh, Fred was unquestionably the best special teams player in Saints history. He's the all-time leader in tackles on special teams in Saints history. He was an outstanding return man as well from scrimmage. He was a good running back for this team. He played here 10 seasons over two different stints and was the first player in franchise history to amass three division championships as a New Orleans Saint, which is pretty significant. Freddie also earned first-team All-Pro honors for special teams, uh, and there's only one person that gets that honor every year, which means he was the very best in the NFL at what he did, and that sets people apart clearly when it comes to consideration for Hall of Fame. He made the Pro Bowl as well. So, And then on top of that, Fred is also the director of player development for the New Orleans Saints and has been for quite a few years now. So uh, it's the cherry on top of the whipped cream, if you will. A very popular choice amongst the, the media, but very popular with the Saints organization as well. And then, of course, with Devery Henderson, you know, a Louisiana product, got of Opelousas, Louisiana, and was an outstanding player in Opelousas High School, and then, of course, at LSU. And the Saints drafted him in the second round. And you know, the first two years here under Jim Haslett, he had some, you know, yeah, a few accomplishments and contributions, but he really emerged when Sean Payton became the head coach in New Orleans. They recognized his speed and how much of a threat he could be. You know, they ran that Superdome special a couple of times at end around that he actually scored against the Falcons in the return of the Superdome game in 2006. But more importantly, he was the ultimate deep threat. You know, Devery led the NFL in receiving average yards per reception, not once, but twice. I mean, he, he was the ultimate deep threat. I mean, he averaged nearly 18 yards a catch over the course of his career, which is incredibly significant. That just doesn't happen very much. But on top of that, he amassed the number of catches and touchdowns over the course of his career. He was a great blocker in the run game, which Coach Sean Payton was very quick to point out. Uh, they really counted on him and really appreciated what he was able to do in the run game for them with his blocking. And, you know, at Super Bowl 44, he caught seven passes, which topped the team for 63 yards. So, And he played nine years and was part of the, the greatest success the franchise has had, the 2006 NFC Championship team, 2009 Super Bowl Championship team, the playoff team in 2010, and, of course, in 2011, when I thought they had their best team ever uh, when they made the playoffs, went 13-3 and and got beat in the final minute at San Francisco. So... Very accomplished player, and, and again, uh, a guy with uh, deep, deep local ties. And I, I think people are very happy about that. All the people in southwest Louisiana, in the Opelousas area, and, of course, all the people affiliated with LSU, aside from the Saints, are very happy about Devery. Chat with Ken Trahan of Crescent City Sports here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Ken, for people that may not know, walk us through like some of the guidelines or, or some of the things that the the panel looks for in nominating and selecting guys to be inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame? Well, first of all, it's all about contribution, of course. But with regard to you know, the, the regulations and limitations, you have to be out of the Saints organization for at least three years. So the fourth year, you become eligible. So you know, if a guy is out, you know, finished in 2016, he would become eligible in 2020, as an example. So you have to be out for at least three years. Uh, you start with that. Secondly, obviously, you cannot be playing for any other team or organization or coaching with another team or organization, then obviously that would not be uh, the, the way to go in this particular scenario. Now, you could be employed by somebody else and, and be considered at that point, but, but 
course, if you're playing for another team, that's not going to happen. And if you're coaching for another team, that's not going to happen. They wouldn't even show up because they're busy coaching a rival team at that time. So those would be the limitations each year. The panel is asked to consider any number of candidates. Anybody that's been nominated that's received votes over the past 15 years is still a nomination. And every year it's going to be a minimum of zero and is and a maximum of two that get inducted. So the, the committee is charged with the nomination process and then the selection process. And, of course, they can choose two, they can choose one, or they can choose nobody in a given year. And this year they just happen to choose two. Now, talking about the, the present Saints, you know, from from your perspective, what are what are some storylines or, or just general conversation that you've had about this year's team? What can fans expect out of the 2022 New Orleans Saints? Well, it's a team that has flaws like everybody, but it's a team I think that's better than being advertised. I think that when you look at Las Vegas and the fact that they put a number of eight or eight and a half on the win total, I think it undersells this team. And I think there's several reasons for that, not the least of which is they're in a weak division. Carolina and Atlanta are not very good, and Tampa Bay is not the same team it was last year, not as good with the losses they've sustained. Still good, mind you, but on top of that, the Saints, as we know, have matched up extremely well with the Buccaneers. Then you have to consider the NFC, which is not all that strong either. When you look at the grand scheme of things, the best teams or more of the better teams are in the AFC. That's clear. So uh, I think you factor those things in. Otherwise, the discussion points are are, are pretty clear. Jameis Winston, is he going to be 100%? And, and what is he going to be? What kind of player will he actually be? I mean, that's number one. Because if you have that guy, a quarterback, then you've got a large part of the battle won. And I think a lot of people are very eager to see what he is and what he can be. We saw a snapshot last year, and it was a positive one. Uh, but obviously it wasn't conclusive enough, which is why they, they took a flyer on Deshaun Watson initially. And then, of course, the situation surrounding Alvin Kamara and what's going to happen with him is another point of discussion, which everybody is obviously talking about whether or not he's going to be eligible to start the season. If not, how long is he going to be out? Marcus May figures to be suspended to start the season and their safety off of a DUI situation. So uh, there are some, some interesting concerns that they have. And then who's going to play left tackle? Is Trevor Penning, the draft pick in the first round, going to step right in and start? Or is it going to be James Hurst, a veteran player? And I think that the trend of thought is it might be Hurst initially, but Penning could eventually take the job. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball. I think safety is the obvious discussion because you now have moved on from Malcolm Jenkins, who retired, and from Marcus Williams, who left via free agency. And you're going to be counting on the aforementioned Marcus May and also counting on Tyrone Matthew. And both are good players and proven players. But when you're talking about safety, you're, you're captaining that deep, and you've got to make sure that you're on the same page and make the right decisions and how quickly are these guys going to mesh and I think those are legitimate questions. Look, they get Will Lutz back. That's a big plus because they went through four kickers last year and struggled. They went through four quarterbacks last year. That doesn't figure to happen. And they went through 58 starting players last year, the most in the NFL. And that doesn't figure to happen. And even with all that said, they won nine games and had a winning season. So I think there's real reason for optimism here. And I think they're in a position where they could be a 10-win or better team. Ken Trahan of Crescent City Sports and the Saints Hall of Fame joining us to discuss this year's Hall of Fame class and this year's Saints franchise. Ken, really appreciate you taking the time. I'll let you get back to getting ready for for this Hall of Fame celebration, and we really appreciate you taking the time. 
Oh, I'm glad to do it anytime. Thanks for letting me on. There he goes, Ken Trahan of Crescent City Sports. Let's update the poll question. Saints minicamp, what are you looking forward to? You know, kind of piggybacking off this conversation with Ken, you know, so far 56% of you say the growth of Jameis Winston, 33% say the new guys making an impact. James, I'll bring you in on this. What are you watching for as we get deep into mandatory minicamp? I'm really big on wanting to see how Jameis looks throughout. I seen him make a pass to Chris Olave earlier today. Yeah, that was that, nice. It was a good one where he was kind of he kind of stepped up, kind of made that both feeter together, and you just kind of make put most of your arm into it, kind of pass, which was interesting. But just just to see more of him. But what also really gets me is to see how the new veterans that have come in, how are they establishing themselves? How are they proving themselves as leader and being mentors for the young players? How is James Hurst, even though he's not a new guy, but how is he doing when it comes to helping out Trevor Penning? How are Mike and Jarvis Landry looking helping Chris Olave? How is Tyra Matthew and Marcus May and Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Dedebo, how are they doing when it comes to grooming Alante Taylor as a defensive back? You see, here's something that I don't think that a lot of people are talking about, but in my point of view, I, th- I think it's a big conversation to have. Guys like Jarvis Landry, guys like Tyron Matthew that grew up here, that know the culture of New Orleans, know the culture of the New Orleans Saints. You know, how big is it to have guys like that in your locker room to, you know, I don't want to say educate, but basically you're educating the the unfamiliar guys, the younger guys, on, on how it works in New Orleans. James? Yeah, I mean, that does, that, that helps with kind of familiarizing yourself with the city itself and familiarizing yourself with the culture. Because if you don't have anybody from Louisiana, you almost kind of lose that, identity i guess you could almost say when it comes to this is a this is the new orleans team but if we don't have anybody in or from around the area i mean we don't have any representation you almost kind of lose that identity yeah no that that's absolutely true um so that that's something to look out for something to keep an eye on looking at transitioning to golf now let's look at the rbc canadian open wyndham clark currently in the lead at seven under had a great day today matt fitzpatrick right behind him at six under and you got two guys doug gim and harold varner the third at five under rory mcelroy sitting at four under tony finau at four under go further down the list sam burns the louisiana product at three under brant snitker two under justin thomas is one under scotty scheffler the master's champion one under Hayden Buckley is even. It's going to be a fun weekend in uh, in Canada. And then next weekend, of course, is the U.S. Open. A lot of fun going to be happening on the golf course. PGA Tour, you know, obviously dealing with the after effects so far of the LIV. We'll see what happens with that, James. But if you ask me... I honestly think that the LIV tour is going to hurt the game of golf 
because you're going to bring golfers like Phil Mickelson, like Dustin Johnson, away from the PGA Tour for the paychecks, for the money. But then what happens if LIV falls apart like the XFL did? Those guys aren't welcome back to the PGA Tour. And the game of golf misses out on those guys completely. Oh, I don't think they would completely... Like, they're not giving a timetable on how long that you're suspended for. Because let's say the LIV, let's say it crashes and burns after a month. You're telling me that they would be like, yeah, we're going to wait a full five years or we're going to have a full time, like, until until you pass. You are suspended. You are banned from playing on the PGA. You think that they're going to do that to all those stars? I don't know. Because if they if they don't... They're hypocrites. And if they do, they don't have their stars and they're going to have to rely on the new young talent or almost get those minor guys that obviously aren't as good as the Dustin Johnson's, the Roy McElroy's of the world. And they're just going to have to, and they're just going to live with a worse product either way because you banned them. So you're not welcoming them back. And while they're doing the LIV, and let's say LIV is done, now you still don't have them because you banned them, because you suspended them. It's true. So it's there true. is there is no way to win at this point. Yeah, no. Unless mean. unless you try to mend the relationship, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there as uh, as the LIV tour really gets going. Their first tournament began today in England. Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day this Saturday from 9 to 1. The charity event will benefit Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with disability dogs. The event will be located at Boye Dog Park on 411 West Bluebird Drive here in Lafayette. A food truck, Kona Ice Snow Cone Stand will be on site, plus music, treats, and prizes. All proceeds, once again, will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day, this Saturday, June 11th, at Bowie Dog Park. We'll take a time out. When we return, we will talk some more NHL, college baseball. We'll talk about the Super Regional matchups, and the phone lines are open for the remainder of the show, 337-706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on The Game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 22 minutes after 5 o'clock. Let's go to the hotline. Mr. Jamie Green joins us. What's going on, Jamie? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. How you doing? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, especially after I heard that uh, my old classmate is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame for the Saints. That's pretty awesome for Devering. Yeah, man. He it, It's well-deserved. No, no question about it. Oh yeah, he was, he was always he was always the pride of Opelousas for sure. But uh, 
I wanted to go in on the NHL, man. And look, I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched the Western side of things at all. And the Avs swept, and that worries me because uh, my Lightning are having all they can handle with the Rangers. Like I told you a while back, you asked, you know, who I'd rather face. I said the, the Hurricane. We would have swept them by now. Man. So, uh, but I wanted to get your take. I wanted to see, you know, what is it that I should be afraid of with uh, with the Hur- uh, with the the Rangers for the next couple of games. And then if we, and I'm sure we will, but if we beat them, what should I worry about with the Avs? Because I haven't seen a whole lot of the Avs this year. I don't know much about them. So... With, with the Rangers, obviously the biggest thing you're going to have to worry about is Igor Shesterkin. I mean, he is just a freaky netminder. I mean, a goal, a goals allowed average of 2.07 a game, that's insane. And the offense that they've been able to produce with Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, it's, I really thought that the Lightning would have an easy run to the Stanley Cup final again, but man, I'm not so sure anymore. And yeah, then, it, it's it's going to be tough for sure, and I, and I knew that when the Rangers beat them, I said mm. when the Rangers beat the Canes, I said eh, this this isn't looking so good for us right now. And then on the other side, like you said, say say the Rangers say the Lightning do get out of this and they do go to the Stanley Cup to play the Avs, the Avs are just as scary because. Dude, they've got offense everywhere you look. You got Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog. You've got um, Mito Rantanen. And then you've got probably one of the best offensive defensemen the league has ever seen in Kale McCarr. I mean, the, the, the Avs, if, if I was putting money on it right now, I would put my money on the Avs to win the whole thing. I would. They I are. might have to do that if the if the Lightning Nuggets play against them. Man, that does that does sound scary. But one game at a time, I guess. We're two to two, so hopefully we can take the game tonight, go up three two, and see where we go from there. Yeah, no question about it. Getting a win in New York tonight would be big to go back go back to Tampa with the lead. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you breaking it down for me, and we'll uh, talk to you guys later. All right, Jamie. Appreciate you, my man. So, yeah, NHL is going to get interesting. Game 5 tonight between the Lightning and the Rangers. Like Jamie said, series tied at two games apiece. James, let's do let, let's do this. Let's talk NCAA Super Regionals. You got a couple of games starting tomorrow between Notre Dame and Tennessee. Both teams pretty good. I mean, obviously Tennessee is just an absolute world beater, fifty six and seven. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, should have been a host. They were, they were. A lot of people think that they were snubbed out of a host spot. They end up coming out of the Statesboro Regional, and now they're going to be in Knoxville for the three game set with Tennessee. Then you have Texas and East Carolina. Both teams seeded. They both won their regionals in Austin and Greenville, respectively. That'll be an interesting series. A lot of offense on both sides. Louisville, Texas A&M. We're very familiar with A&M, being the Cajuns had to play them. Louisville, I'm not a whole. I don't know a whole lot about other than 
They've got a, a chippy offense. Oklahoma, Virginia Tech, kind of the same thing. Both teams really good offensively. UConn and Stanford. Stanford's interesting because they play a very unorthodox style of baseball. Matt Dex talked about it today. You know, there's nothing flashy about what they do. There's nothing, you know, that really stands out about the way they play. They just win. They just find a way to get things done. Uh, so they've got a they've got a good test with UConn, Arkansas, North Carolina. Never count out Dave Van Horn, Ole Miss, Southern Miss. That'll be fun. I mean, you you look at Southern Miss, Ole Miss, in-state rivals, and then the rivalry between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You know, all the Mississippi State fans are going to be cheering for Southern Miss. So that'll be interesting. And then you have Auburn and Oregon State. James, give me two teams out of the 16 remaining that you were keeping a close eye on as we we go down the stretch towards Omaha. Do you want me to not include Tennessee? I mean, you can include Tennessee. (laughs) I feel like like that's a cop-out. I mean, it is, but I'll let you do it. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm interested to see what Oklahoma can do. Yep. Since, I mean... If they can replicate anything like their softball team's doing, right? <laughs> yeah, we may we may see Tennessee, Oklahoma. So watching them, but also seeing, I lost the team. Where are you? Interesting. Interested to see A and M, but I'm also interested to see Southern Miss. Yeah, dude, Southern Miss. They are. There's something else, man. Second best pitching staff in the country. They got good offense to back them up. Scott Barry's a great coach, and and their ballpark plays into their favor. Wind's always blowing out. It's a little bit smaller than most ballparks. You're gonna hit a lot of home runs there. LSU, you know, they benefited off of that a couple of times this past weekend. And then just the rival, the in-state competition between Southern Miss and Ole Miss. I mean, that's, that's going to be a lot of fun in, in Hattiesburg this weekend. We'll keep a close eye on that, and next week we will obviously break down the eight teams that will be going to Omaha. Let's take a timeout right here, James, and when we come back, we will talk more MLB, we'll talk a little bit more NBA, and we will preview Game 2 of the College World Series final between Texas and and Oklahoma. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 9th, 1946. New York Giants skipper Mel Ott becomes the first manager in Major League Baseball history to be ejected from both games of a doubleheader. The Giants lose both games to the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood. But the only way you can win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell is by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. 
oysterbar.com. Met are, me as James Mesh. I was gonna say, are you big on oysters? I am not. You're not a you're not an oyster I'm not. guy. Oh, okay. I'll eat them fried, like fried oysters. But while they're still like slimy and raw, no. Nope. Can't not, do it. Not a raw guy. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> Anyways. Going back to the Saints conversation, talking about the Saints and Dennis Allen, he was he was talking about Michael Thomas earlier today in the press conference, and he said, I'm good with where Mike Thomas is. I would much rather him be 100% healthy and out here and all those kind of things. That's not just That's just not where we're at right now. He's busting his tail to get himself ready to go, and I feel like he's making significant process, progress. Excuse me. And then he says, I think mentally Mike's in a good place, and again, we're just going to let that process play out and get him healthy. We have a long way to go before we play a game. So it sounds like the goal of Mike of the Saints with Michael Thomas is to have him ready for September 11th. Yeah, 100 percent ready for September 11th, which will suck a little bit since you won't really be able to have a, too much time of him building well, that connection with Jameis. Right. But I think Mike Mike's just too good to where it's like that shouldn't factor into him having either a good or a bad year. He won't have the 149 reception year, but you you should still expect him to be a significant piece in this offense. You'll probably have to you'll probably expect Jarvis to get more of a load to start off and then as we get more into the season, we'll see more of a developed connection between him and Mike Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's already a connection. It's a little different, though, because th- there's not as much on-field time, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you could throw these five-yard passes and just, like, toss it, but there's a significant difference of you just kind of tossing a five-yard pass, right. like just standing still, and him running a slant and you knowing the timing or you knowing he's going to run a 12-yard out route and you know where to put it at what time. Yeah. There's a completely different thing. All right, so you and I were having a conversation the other day while we're staying on the topic of the Saints. We were having a conversation the other day about who's who we think is going to make the roster or, or how many spots they're going to be, blah, blah, blah. And you and I disagreed on tight ends. Yes. You think that there's going to be three tight ends plus Taysom Hill. Yeah. I don't think so. So kind of want to have a conversation about that. You know, obviously, like you said, you know, you saw a lot of good things out of Nick Vanette last year. You saw a lot of good out of Jawan Johnson. Adam Adam Troutman, people are on the fence about, but you kind Which of is dumb, but you whatever. kind of feel like you have to keep him around because he was a third round pick and you gave up a lot to get him. Well, it's not just that, but he's been a significant piece in your blocking game. Which you know the Saints, they love whenever People can block. Yeah, but the problem that you're running into, especially as a Saints fan, is that tight ends need to do a hell of a lot more than just block. And Adam Troutman's offense hasn't been there since he's come to New Orleans. There there has been good and there has been bad. 
But the real question is, what did you expect from Trotman? What did you expect from him last year? Well, uh, what what did you realistically think he was going to do in his second year after being on the field thirty percent of the time, if uh, even that? A, a third round pick that you you gave up a lot to to get. I'm I'm talking I mean, stats. I'm talking. Yeah, impact. no, I, 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 that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I would have liked more than twenty seven catches for two hundred and sixty three yards and two touchdowns. I mean, sure, if he's your tight end one, yeah, but what? As a second-year tight end going from third string where you had 15 catches last year, well, what did you expect him to jump to, 80? You expected him to have 80, 808 touchdowns? I mean, I didn't expect that, no. I was hoping more for like 40, 506. Which I don't think I don't think is asking for a lot out of your starting tight end. Well, I think six is a little bit because a little much. I, I would have leaned more to the three or four because Kamara is such a weapon when it comes to once you get in to fair. the red zone. That's he's fair. he's getting a majority of the touches. You're and initially you're looking towards Mike Thomas when he's healthy. When Drew was there, you look for Kamara, you look for Mike, and you try to get your number two or. Whoever, whoever else, whoever else, there is. I mean, the tight end, you give them a bunch, but you don't expect it like how Mark Andrews is in Baltimore. You don't expect it like Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. I just, I just thought the progress that fans expected out of Adam, Adam Trotman going from a third string tight end who played only a few hundred snaps, which a very low percentage. He barely had any stats. He had 15 catches for like 120 and a touchdown. And all of a sudden, we expected him to be like Jimmy Graham. And you see him get 27, 250, and two touchdowns. And all of a sudden, it's like you, well, you have to get rid of him. I well, mean, that's that's because Saints fans expect a lot. But here's here's the biggest thing. Okay, so yes, Adam Troutman did make progress. Okay, he caught 12 more passes this year for 100 and you know, 50-something more yards and had an extra touchdown. He made progress in every category. However, let's let's extrapolate that and say that every year he's only going to increase by 15 catches, 100-something yards, and a touchdown. It's going to take six years for you to get the numbers out of him that you need. You you get what I'm saying? I I do. I I know what you're saying. And so, like, I'm not ready to write Adam Troutman off. However, from uh, if if I put on fan glasses for a second, what you had to give up to move up to get him, your return on investment so far isn't very high. So I see it from both sides of the fence. I see it how you know Adam Troutman's making progress. It was only his second year. You got to give him time. But then I also see it from the fans' perspective. Well, Jesus Christ, how much time do you need? You know what I'm saying? Well, Jesus Christ, how much time do you get? That's the real. Like it's it seems like as soon as you hit year two, it's I expect eighty eight hundred and eight touchdowns. It's like 
No, I'm not expecting you to go like that. I'm expecting a gradual increase. I'm not expecting a 110 catches and a touchdown increase. I'm expecting more of a you double. You can almost double again. And then by the time we get to year four, then we can hit that 80, 808 touchdowns mark. If you're that significant of a piece in the offense. But you also have to remember, look, I know we didn't have a lot of receivers, but his role was to increase, but not become that second or third option. And I, Not just yet. But you see, I, I think an even bigger problem was that, the fact that Josh Hill and Jared Cook, they dipped. One yeah. retired, and the other one it was like, you pretty much had to run him out of town because it almost felt like he lost you that game in the playoffs against the Bucks. So all of a sudden, you expect like you had more time to develop, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, put your suit on and go to work. Here's the other thing, though. He had a drop rate of 9.3% in 2021. That's not great. No, it's not. I think that's the biggest gripe that people have with Adam Troutman. He dropped a lot of balls in key moments. I mean, I don't know what pro football reference categorizes as a drop. They say he only had four drops last year. I thought he had more drops than that. So, I mean, I think that's the the, the biggest thing is that, you know, when you needed him to make the catches that you expect him to make in moments that you expect him to make them, he didn't deliver. I'm just asking. Okay. Uh, all I'm all yeah. I'm saying is, <laughs> give him more time than two than his the start of his second year. No, that that's it, fair. It, if I'm, we get if we get to the time by the time we get to year four, and it's like okay, you still haven't made any significant progress. Okay, that's fine, because by the time that happens, he will have, in theory, had three years of being an actual starter. He had no starting experience in, until last year. When um, we expected him to be Jimmy Graham. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't like any of our tight ends. I don't think any of them bring, you know, great skills to the table. Well, none of them are super consistent. No. None, none of them are. what Because anytime we see a tight end and we see them as a starter, we're always going to have that expectation of, are you Jimmy Graham? Are you going to put up those type of numbers? Are you Jeremy Shockey? Are you Shockey? Are you... Right. Jared Cook, when you don't suck, I mean, I I get it. You as soon as you see something, you expect a replication. It's the same thing with Jameis and Drew. Whenever James, whenever Jameis took over last year, it's like, why aren't you immediately throwing three fifty and three touchdowns, Jameis? What's going on? Why why aren't you why aren't you doing it like God's work? I I get it, but it it's unrealistic, and I feel like you got to give the man more time, especially when it comes to. You having an unexpected increase in play yep. when you didn't have a lot of experience to begin with. No, that's true. That's true. As a reminder, Trail is putting on a free all-day event Saturday, June 18th, Cafe 20.3, 1500 General Mouton Avenue. In addition to free paddling, there will also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes by raising awareness and funds to build the new Teach Fair Park and Boat Launch at Mile Zero of the Vermilion River. 
Donations and sponsorships are welcome. Trail will match up to $20,000 in donations. And for more information, you can visit www.latrail.org. We'll take one more time out when we return. We'll wrap up today's poll question. We'll let you know what the new Miguez versus Mesh challenge is. And we'll send you on your way on your Thursday afternoon. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. James, you know, we talked about the LIV tour. We talked about the golfers, the big name golfers leaving the tour to go to LIV. However, what we haven't talked about is how it could affect players from a endorsement standpoint. Rocket Mortgage has announced that they are terminating their sponsorship deal with Bryson DeChambeau because of his ties to the LIV Golf Invitational. When one door closes, another, another one, one opens. opens. Yeah, but you really want to close the door on a company like Rocket Mortgage? I mean, you hate to do that, but I mean, Oof. If, if you have a new commitment... You're going to have to move on from your old people and find some new people. Rocket Mortgage has been a longtime supporter of the PGA Tour, both through our role as an official partner and as a tournament host. The Rocket Mortgage Classic has quickly become a fixture on the tour with players coming to Detroit to complete, while also raising crucial funds to help bridge the digital divide in in our city. Our partnership with the PGA Tour extends to several prominent golfers, including Bryson DeChambeau. As has been widely reported, Bryson has elected to join the LIV Golf Series. Effective immediately, Rocket Mortgage has ended its sponsorship agreement with Bryson. We wish him well in his future success. DeChambeau won the Rocket Mortgage Classic in 2020 and became a partner with the brand shortly after. His lost sponsorship due to LIV Connections is not unique. RBC cut ties with Dustin Johnson. Mickelson lost most of his sponsors after comments he made earlier this year Include regarding the new league and the human rights violations from Saudi Arabia. Not every company has made a decision to end deals with golfers. They were seen wearing hats and shirts with Adidas, TaylorMade, Ping, Xerxon, City, and other brand logos throughout Thursday's round in England. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about brands being upset with players going to the other tour due to a brand's relationship with the PGA tour or, you know, them not wanting to be involved with something backed by Saudi Arabia. You know, I, I, I never looked at it that way. That's a, that's an interesting development. You know, obviously I, I hope it works out for these guys because as a golf fan, I, I'm not mad about, two great leagues of golf. However, I am going to be mad if 
this LIV thing and, you know, prominent PGA golfers going join the LIV and LIV goes up in smoke, I am going to be mad if it hurts the game. So that's definitely something to to keep an eye on as things start to develop. I mean, LIV is still obviously in its infancy, so we'll see what happens there. Let's update the poll question before we get out of here, James. You know, looking at yesterday's poll question with our Miguez and Mesh challenge, ding, 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 we have a winner. Um, James, you ready for a PK shootout? Ready I'm down for, for whatever. Hey, bro. So how 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 do we do it? Five shots each. I was thinking whoever makes the most, because that's how they do it in standard soccer. It's five shots. Yeah. First, I was, I first was, person to three usually wins. Pretty much. I was thinking we do a, a best of five or for yeah best of five, but it, again, it's another best two out of three series. Because yeah, the way they usually so do that it, way we do fifteen. The way they usually do it. Oh. Like five and five would be one game. Like I take five shots, you take five shots. Whoever had the most, cool. You got game one. We do it again, um, like how we did with. Oh God. Okay. All right. So when when are we doing this? I'm hoping to do it right after the show's tomorrow. Okay. Fair. Because I'm going to Toledo Ben. Where are we doing it at? I was thinking the Bruce R Park. It's right next to you. Unless you want to go to the Youngsville Complex. Okay, we'll 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 discuss it. Uh, appreciate Jay Walker taking the time. Appreciate Ken Trahan taking the time as well. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Friday fun show. I'm heading to the Cajun Dome for Brooks and Dunn. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs>